0: On October 3, 1849, rain pelted the streets of Baltimore. The air was brisk and cool enough that day to see your breath. It was a day made for staying in next to the fire with a brandy to warm your belly. But Joseph W. Walker, a Baltimore Sun compositor, was heading out anyway. It was election day in Baltimore, and he was a newsman after all. He sloshed his way through the streets towards Gunner's Hall a hotel and tavern on Lombard Street that was doing additional duty that day as a polling location for the 4th Ward. When Walker got to the tavern, he came across a delirious man sprawled in the gutter. Judging by the man's second-hand clothes, Walker might have mistaken him for a vagrant at first. But this was no vagrant. After speaking to the man for a few minutes, Walker realized who the man was and knew he needed to get help. Walker dashed off a note and dispatched it to Joseph Snodgrass, a physician who lived nearby on High Street. It read, Dear Sir, there is a gentleman, rather the worse for wear, at Ryan's Fourth Ward polls, who goes under the cognomen of Edgar A. Poe and who appears in great distress. He says he is acquainted with you, and I assure you, he is in need of immediate assistance. Yours in haste, Joseph W. Walker. Snodgrass, who had once been the editor of the Baltimore Saturday Visitor, and was also a longtime friend of Edgar Allen Poe, rushed to the polling station. He was shocked at his friend's appearance when he got there. Poe was slumped in a chair, and when he turned his eyes up to look at Snodgrass, his expression was vacant and unknowing. This was not the typically well-dressed and well kempt man Snodgrass knew. Poe's hair was a tangled rat's nest under a cheap straw hat. He had a shabby second-hand coat draped over his shoulders, under which he wore a rumpled and dirty shirt. His pants were soiled and at least two sizes too big for him. Poe tried to speak, but the words came out an unintelligible mumble. Snodgrass tried to rent a room upstairs for his sick friend, but the hotel was full. Right around then, Poe's uncle, Henry Herring, came into the tavern and saw what was going on. He offered to help, but refused to take Poe home since they'd had a previous falling out. Instead, he helped carry his nephew to a horse-drawn cab which took them to the Washington Medical College where he was put under the care of Dr. John J. Moran. Moran had Poe put into a second floor room with a view of the harbor. And that's where Poe remained until his death four days later. The Last time anyone had reported seeing Poe had been nearly a week earlier, on September 27th, when Poe had left Richmond, Virginia, bound for an editor's job in Philadelphia. How he got to Baltimore, nobody knows. What happened to Edgar Allan Poe in his final days and how he got to be in the state he was in at the time of his death remains a mystery to this day. It's the sort of tale Poe himself might have written. That is, if he'd only lived long enough to put it down on paper. I'm Nate Hale and I really hate the way this raven is looking at me. And this is The Conspirators. Edgar Allan Poe was born on January 19, 1809, in Boston, Massachusetts. From an early age, Poe's life was marked with tragedy. He never really knew his parents. His father, David Poe Jr., an actor from Baltimore, walked out on the family when Poe was a baby. Poe's mother was an English actress named Elizabeth Arnold Hopkins Poe, and she died of tuberculosis when he was only three. Poe was separated from his siblings, his older brother William and younger sister Rosalie, and he went to live in the home of John Allen, a successful tobacco merchant who lived in Richmond, Virginia. It's from John Allen that Poe took the famous middle part of his name. Before then, he had just been Edgar Poe. Poe and his foster mother, Frances Valentine Allen, bonded into a real loving relationship. His relationship with John Allen was more complicated. The tobacco merchant alternated between doting on his foster son and being a fierce disciplinarian toward him. Although he never formally adopted Edgar, John Allen wanted the boy to one day take over the family business. But Edgar didn't have much of a head for business, he had instead, the heart of a poet. By the age of 13, Poe was already a prolific poet, but the headmaster at his private school, as well as John Allen, discouraged such fanciful nonsense. Poe attended the University of Virginia in 1826, where he excelled in his classes. But his foster father refused to give him enough money to cover all his expenses. So Edgar turned to gambling to cover the difference. But Edgar wasn't a very good gambler, and this only left him further in debt. Poe's life seems to be a continual series of emotional traumas and tragedies. He suffered his next major heartbreak when he returned home on a break from college only to discover his neighbor and fiancé, Sarah Elmira Roysler, had married someone else. He quit school not long after and moved to Boston where he took odd jobs as an office clerk and occasional newspaper writer to support himself. But this lifestyle wasn't enough to sustain him. So Poe enlisted in the army in May 1827 under the name Edgar A. Perry, claiming he was 22 years old, although he was really only 18. During that same year, Poe published his first book, Tamerlane and Other Poems. Two years later, he got word that his foster mother was dying of tuberculosis by the time he got back to Virginia, she had already died. Poe briefly made peace with John Allen, and the tobacco merchant used his connections to help him get an appointment at the United States Military Academy at West Point. Poe excelled at his studies at West Point, but was kicked out after a year for poor personal conduct. Some historians think Poe might have worked to intentionally get himself kicked out of West Point as a personal rebuke to his foster father for getting remarried without telling him. The two had a major falling out over Poe getting kicked out of West Point that they never recovered from. In 1834, John Allen died, leaving Edgar Allan Poe out of his will. But he did provide for an illegitimate child John Allen had never met. Poe traveled between New York City, Baltimore, Philadelphia, and Richmond looking for a job. But he struggled and lived in poverty until he finally caught a break in 1835, when one of his short stories won a contest in the Baltimore Saturday Visitor. That's where he met Joseph Snodgrass, the editor and sometimes physician that came to his rescue in the Baltimore Tavern days before his death. After winning the contest, Poe began publishing more short stories and poems, and in 1835 he landed a job as an editor for the Southern Literary Messenger. Around this time, Poe began courting his 13-year-old cousin Virginia, whom he married the following year. At the Southern Literary Messenger, Poe quickly developed a reputation as a scathing literary critic, earning him the nickname the Tomahawk Man. Poe's combative personality and aggressive reviewing style made his tenure with the magazine fairly short. He moved around from there, with brief stints at several other magazines where he continued to build his reputation as a writer and critic, although he forever struggled financially. In 1840, Poe published Tales of the Grotesque and Arabesque a collection that contained many of the stories, including The Fall of the House of Usher and Lygia, that cemented his reputation as a master of the macabre. In 1841, Poe is credited with creating the modern detective story with the publication of The Murders in the Rue Morgue. In 1844, Poe moved to New York City, where he published a phony story about a balloon trip across the Atlantic Ocean. The hoax grabbed some quick publicity for him, but it was in 1845 when he published his poem, The Raven, that Poe became a literary sensation. In 1847, tragedy struck Poe's life once again with the death of his beloved Virginia, who, like his mother and foster mother before, died of tuberculosis. Some people claim that Poe really began to fall apart after that. There are stories that say he became a heavy drinker and an emotional wreck in the years that followed, although that's in some dispute. Some historians have claimed that Edgar Allan Poe couldn't tolerate alcohol, and never touched the stuff because of a genetic condition he shared with his sister. According to some reports, Poe would become sickeningly drunk by consuming even a single drink, and that he actually avoided drinking like the plague. Many of the stories of Poe's drinking and mental instability can be traced directly to his literary adversary, Rufus Griswold. Poe made many enemies in the literary community for his often biting criticism, perhaps none greater than Griswold. After Poe's death, Griswold published a scathing obituary of him, portraying him as a mentally deranged drunkard and a womanizer. Somehow, Griswold managed to become the executor of all Poe's writings he left behind, even though the man clearly hated Poe. Griswold later went on to write the first biography of Poe, which only helped to cement these misconceptions in people's minds. Although many people who knew Poe personally denounced the book as a pack of lies. For two years after the death of his beloved Virginia, Poe continued to publish stories and poems, many of which dealt with his typical themes of death, loneliness, and grief. On September 27, 1829, Poe left Richmond, Virginia, bound for Philadelphia, to edit a collection of poems for Mrs. St. Leon Loud, a minor poet at the time, but Poe needed the money. He always needed money. No one knows what happened to him in the five days between his departure from Richmond and his sudden reappearance in front of the Baltimore Tavern, but there's been plenty of speculation. Dr. Joseph Moran, who cared for Poe at the Washington College Hospital, didn't do much to help clear up the mystery either. He denied all visitors to Poe in the four days he had him in his care. The section of the hospital Poe was being cared for had barred windows and was reserved for drunks. On the night before his death, Poe is alleged to have repeatedly called up the name Reynolds, although no one knows to whom he was referring. One possibility is he was recalling an encounter with newspaper editor and explorer Jeremiah Reynolds, who inspired him to write his novel, The Narrative of Arthur Gordon Pym. Another possibility is Poe was referring to Henry Reynolds, one of the judges overseeing the 4th Ward polls at Ryan's Tavern. Pretty much everything we know about Poe's hospital stay before his death comes to us from Dr. Moran. This is problematic because over the years, Dr. Moran's story would change many times. At one point, according to Moran, Poe spoke deliriously about his wife in Richmond. Although his wife, Virginia, had been dead for two years by then, Poe was engaged to be married at the time, so it's possible he was referring to his fiancée. Poe wasn't able to tell Moran where he'd been or what happened to his trunk of belongings. According to the doctor, Poe's final words before he died on October 7th were, Lord help my poor soul. At least that's what they were in that version. In a later retelling, Moran claimed that Poe's last words were something more grandiose. The arched heavens encompass me and God has his decreed legibly written upon the frontlets of every created human being and demons incarnate. Their goal will be the seething waves of blank despair. Now, if you're like me, you'll agree that story is probably made up. There isn't any way those are anyone's last words, much said. Edgar Allan Poe, who at the time was having difficulty stringing a coherent sentence together. All of Edgar Allan Poe's medical records from his hospital stay have been lost to history. That is, if they ever existed at all. Many theories have been put forward over the years as to Poe's actual cause of death. Poe's friend, Joseph Snodgrass, was convinced Poe died of alcoholism. Snodgrass had a personal stake in this belief. At the time, he was heavily involved in the temperance movement, and he used Poe as an example of the dangers of alcohol. But Dr. Moran disputed this theory, claiming that when he examined Poe, he was not under the effects of any intoxicant. And as evidence, he mentioned that the writer didn't have any odor of alcohol about him. The cause of death that made its way into the papers was a vague suggestion of a congestion of the brain, which was often used as a polite euphemism for dying under the influence of alcohol. Keep in mind, before he died, Poe was also a member of the Sons of Temperance, which made Snodgrass's claim even more unusual. Some people have claimed that Poe was a drug user and suffered an overdose. There is a story that Poe had suffered an overdose of laudanum some months earlier which some people thought might have been a suicide attempt. But even one of Poe's many enemies, Dr. Thomas Dunn English, stated unequivocally that Poe was not a drug user. An article published in 1872 claimed that Poe had encountered a group of friends in Baltimore who took him out for a drink. Poe, unable to hold his liquor, became massively intoxicated before his friends let him go to wander the streets, where he ran into a group of thugs who viciously beat and robbed him. Where the article's author got this information is unknown. Dr. Moran never reported any signs of a beating, much less one severe enough to kill Poe. Modern science has also been used to pour water on this theory. In recent years, scientists tested some of Poe's hair that was collected after his death. And those tests indicated he had been keeping to his sobriety. One common theory about Poe's death is that he fell victim to a practice known as cooping. This was a type of voter fraud that was common in those days in which a victim would be kidnapped, disguised, and forced to vote for a certain candidate again and again at different voting locations. Remember, Poe was found outside a polling place on an election day, wearing an unknown person's clothes. Around the late 1870s, another Poe biographer, J. H. Ingram, received a number of letters blaming Poe's death on a gang of criminals who snatched the writer off the street, not knowing who he was, getting him drunk and sending him off to the polls. Later stories have disputed these claims, though, saying that there weren't any unusual reports of cooping going on during that particular election. Still, the cooping theory does seem to fit the circumstances in a number of ways. In 1999, a public health researcher blamed Poe's death on carbon monoxide poisoning from coal gas that was used for lighting during the era. But the same scientific tests that discovered no evidence of alcohol in Poe's system also could find no traces of other heavy metals that would indicate carbon monoxide poisoning. On the other hand, there were signs of elevated mercury levels, which, in high enough concentrations, could explain Poe's hallucinations and delirium before death. One possibility is that Poe was prescribed mercury chloride by a doctor to combat a cholera outbreak he had been exposed to in the summer of 1849. In 1996, Dr. Michael Benitez came across records that indicated another potential killer, rabies. The records Dr. Benitez discovered pointed to suspected rabies in a writer from Richmond whose identity was only given by his initials, E.P. In this theory, Edgar Allan Poe may have contracted the disease from one of the many cats he lived with. Rabies can kill a healthy person within about four or five days, which would fall in line with the amount of time it took Poe to die after being discovered in Baltimore. Without DNA evidence, though, there's no way to prove this theory. Also. At least according to what little we know from Dr. Moran, Poe didn't suffer any symptoms of hydrophobia, a typical symptom of rabies. Some witnesses claim to have observed Poe drinking water during his stay in the hospital. Something that would directly oppose the rabies theory. There have been some people that speculated that Poe's death was nothing more than a severe case of the flu. Some historians have claimed that Poe visited a doctor for an unknown illness in the days before his trip to Philadelphia and that his fiancée actually tried to talk him out of going on the trip. How Poe would have ended up in Baltimore wearing someone else's clothes are unknown. But it was raining in Baltimore at the time, and at least according to this theory, the already ill Poe could have contracted full-blown pneumonia and died from being exposed to the lousy Baltimore weather. In 2000, author John Evangelist wrote a book that made the surprising claim that Poe was murdered. Using evidence from an assortment of letters, newspaper articles, and memoirs from the era, Evangelist claims that Poe was murdered by his fiancé's brothers. At the time of his death, Poe was set to marry a wealthy woman named Elmira Shelton. In Evangelist's version of events, Poe actually made it to Philadelphia. But when he got there, he was confronted by Elmira's three brothers who threatened his life. Poe disguised himself in another person's clothes and fled to Baltimore. But the brothers found him, dealt him a severe beating, and forced him to drink alcohol, knowing what a terrible effect it would have on him. One of the most recent theories about Poe's cause of death is that he succumbed to a brain tumor. When Edgar Allan Poe died, he was buried rather unceremoniously in a small, unmarked grave in Baltimore. Sadly, only seven people attended his funeral. Nearly three decades later, a statue in Poe's honor was erected near the graveyard's entrance, and his remains were exhumed in order to move them to the new burial plot. But the years had not been kind to Poe's body or to his coffin, and when they tried to hoist the box out of the earth, it fell apart, and Poe's skeleton fell to the ground. When the workers gathered up Poe's remains, one of them noticed a strange rattling that occurred when he handled Poe's skull. Newspapers from the Times stated the rattling noise was Poe's brain rolling around inside the skull. But we know now from modern science that this isn't possible. The brain's soft tissue would have been among the first to rot away following death. Matthew Pearl, an American author interested in the case, reached out to a medical pathologist for an explanation. The pathologist agreed that the brain would have long since disintegrated, but a brain tumor could have calcified into a hardened clump and remained as all that was left inside Poe's skull. A brain tumor would explain Poe's erratic behavior in his last days, and as further evidence, some reports have suggested that Poe visited a doctor once who told him he had a lesion on his brain, which contributed to his problems consuming alcohol. In the end, it's unlikely we'll ever know precisely what happened to Edgar Allan Poe in his final days. There is one other mystery tied to Poe's grave that began several decades later. Beginning in the 1930s, on every January 19th, Poe's birthday, witnesses began seeing a shadowy figure appearing at Poe's grave wearing a black suit, a white scarf, and a wide-brimmed hat. And whoever the mystery man was, he always brought with him a bottle of cognac and three roses, which people suspect represent Poe, his beloved wife Virginia, and Poe's mother-in-law. By morning, the mystery man would be gone, leaving behind the half-drunk bottle of cognac and occasionally a note. Sometimes the notes would contain quotes from Poe's stories and poems. Other times they offered words of remembrance like, Edgar, I haven't forgotten you. In 1999, a note was left behind that mentioned the passing of a torch, which many people suspect meant that the original Poe toaster, as he's come to be known, had passed on the mantle to someone else. But as news spread about the mysterious figure, crowds began to gather each year to catch a glimpse of him. Which apparently didn't sit well with the mysterious man who managed to keep his identity a secret for so long. In 2010, the mystery man failed to appear, and then he failed to appear again each year after that. The tradition, it seemed, was over. In 2016, the Maryland Historical Society took matters into their own hands and chose a new Poe toaster from a select group of secret volunteers. So the tradition lives on, and each year a new mystery man will raise to glass in honor of the life and work of Edgar Allan Poe. The Conspirators is written and produced by me, Nate Hale, an entirely fictional identity. I hope you're enjoying the show because I sure enjoy bringing it to you. If you like what you hear, please subscribe on iTunes and leave us a review. We're also available on Stitcher, the Google Play Store, and our website, theconspiratorspodcast.com. As always, thanks for listening.